as rector and responsible, Sunday mornings are always, for me, a little bit of a trust walk. So many people's contributions have to come together at a specific time for worship to happen well. The flowers, the bulletins, the Eucharistic vessels all set in place. The musicians, readers, greeters, preacher, and acolytes all here and prayed up and ready to go at start time. And I'm not saying that everything has to be perfect. Worship is not a performance. I have even grown relaxed enough to understand that we humans, we offer up our gifts and our imperfections as best we can to this gracious God who just delights in us. But when I arrive at 7.30 on a Sunday morning and the sound system doesn't come on, this is enough to send my anxiety straight through the roof. I mean, if you can't hear the service, we're toast. So before COVID and subsequently upgrading our sound system, Charlie Roos, he taught me this trick about how to jiggle the sound box just right so that the lights came on. And if that doesn't work after you kick it, you call Skip Snow and, 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 and beg for his help. All that to say that the last time this crisis happened, we eventually realized that the sound box had moved away from its source such that it didn't work because it was unplugged. <laughs> this actually gets us to Jesus' final conversation with his disciples in the upper room the night before his crucifixion. His disciples are understandably anxious. Things appear to be going south, and Jesus is making overtures that he's leaving them, going to a place where they cannot go with him for now. And so on that night, our Lord finds language that offers solace, explaining how they can remain connected. He uses familiar imagery like vines and branches. Throughout their ministry together, Jesus had offered them images to help them glimpse who he really was, saying things like, I am the true bread. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. And now Jesus reaches for his last and culminating I am statement, declaring, I am the true vine and my father He's the vine grower. I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. Imparting this theme of mutual indwelling, of forever abiding one with the other, was essential for his disciples to understand before Jesus left. Jesus wanted his friends to know that they would not be abandoned, that in his dying and rising and transitioning to to the Father, that there was a way for them to stay connected. So before he tells them about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he first uses their understanding of the intimate and organic connection that exists between the vine and the branches, explaining that the branches severed from the vine lose their life source and can do nothing. So stay with me. Just like my sound box in the sacristy, it has to be plugged into the electrical current or nothing works. No juice means no sound and no service. But the surprising part about Jesus' analogy is this mutually dependent bit 
Of course, it makes sense that Jesus is our life source and we need him. But in this image, we begin to see that we are needed by Jesus also. For just as the branches must remain connected to the vine to live, the vine cannot bear fruit without us, the branches. I suppose God Almighty could choose to just wiggle his nose and fix all the things that are broken in creation. He could fix hunger and disease and selfishness and injustice, all of it, if he wanted to. But that is not how God chooses to work. God is love, desiring to work with us and in us and through us to grow us up in love. Just thinking about the biology of the vineyard helps me glimpse this astounding relationship that Jesus says is possible. There is no mistaking the noble inference with Christ as the true grapevine and we as that climbing, twisting branches. This speaks to the life that flows between us, ultimately producing beautiful grapes. All the while, the father, the vine grower, who knows best, who sees the bigger picture, with wisdom and love, he carefully prunes the branches for life and more fruit. Using this imagery, we understand that the branches are, in fact, different from the vine, but they are so organically connected that it's difficult to tell exactly where the vine ends and where the branch begins. Our own botanist, Professor Frank Gilliam, you would be so proud of me for my research. <laughs> you see, under the outer bark of the vine and the branches are two layers necessary for the survival of the plant. There's the xylem and the phloem. Now the xylem, it carries water and nutrients up from the roots through the vine, into the branches, and out to the leaves. And the phloem carries sugars from photosynthesis from the leaves, through the branches, into the vine, and down to the roots. And this reciprocal arrangement of nourishment and flow, this is what produces the all-important fruit. Because the fruit is the whole purpose of the vineyard. This mutual exchange is vital for life and for mission. When Jesus declares that I am the vine and you are the branches, he is inviting us into the most intimate of relationships. Though not visible, yet he promises to dwell within us and we in him. This is what we say in our Eucharist. All of us are familiar with when it comes time to say our ultimate goodbyes to our beloved, you begin to speak of the things that really matter. And just as Jesus invited his frightened original disciples, so he invites us into this two-way exchange of abide in me as I abide in you. Jesus knew that there was tough times ahead. He knew that all of us would suffer, that our faith would be tested, and so he tells us to abide in him. This is our choice. In John's gospel, abiding is getting at the goal of life. It's about finding our home. 
In fact, John records Jesus using this word over 40 times. Abiding is mentioned in 16 of the 21 chapters in John. And interestingly, the Greek word for abide, meno, it also conveys a sense of toughness. It is as if Jesus is saying to us, hang in there with me and I will hang in there with you. Remain with me and I will remain with you. To abide is both edgy and egalitarian in its meaning. There is this the sense of both solace and challenge. Solace in that Jesus' invitation for us to abide in him offers us a place of refuge and safety. His love holding us steady, offering us deep peace even when we get the diagnosis of cancer, enabling us to face great challenges with courage and strength. But mutually abiding also offers us a challenge. The purpose of our Lord abiding in us is so that our lives are made fruitful. We are plugged into the source, joined with his strength in order to change the world through love. God is love. And God chooses to live out his divine life in us. I find that we are our truest selves when we embody that love in our ordinary daily lives, not necessarily in grand world historic gestures, but in simple acts of respect and decency, of kindness and generosity, brave enough to speak up for the voiceless and the powerless. Jesus understood his ministry had this power of love, the love that mends the world. Jesus abided with the Father, and the Father abided with him. He remained connected to his life source, always taking the time to be with the Father in prayer and to recharge. Everything he did in teaching and healing, in dining with outcasts and confronting the powerful, even dying on the cross, was about mending the world with love, the one thing that's stronger than death. Today we are reminded of Jesus' mutual invitation to abide in him as he abides in us because the fruit of our life matters. Apart from him, we can do nothing, but connected to the life source, the divine love flows into us and out of us and into the world. Participating in that love, remaining in that flow is where life abundant is found. Jesus' invitation to abide in him is so worth our meditating upon and drawing that into the deepest parts of our souls. For me, the amazing good news worth everything is that there is no distance between us and God. None. He is right here, making his home with us. Amazing.